CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We had a nice day in Major League Baseball here on Wednesday, 3-0-1 with our picks, including the play of the day winner. So we will update the record accordingly. Uh, let's see here, play the day now as we updated on the uh, turns to 23 wins 11 losses one push we are over 10 units uh, and I don't post so people ask me all the time oh, why don't you post the units one um, because not every bet's created equal and sometimes what I do is on some of these plays I bet more than one unit um, some of the plays I bet less. Um, it just depends how I'm feeling about the play and what my risk management is, what my bankroll is at. And if you were to do though, cause I have been tracking everything. I always track all my plays. I have spreadsheets just like everybody else. If you did one unit on every play of the day. So it was, let's see. Um, you would do, I'll pull it up right here. So you do one unit on plus money, one you risk one unit to win more than one unit on uh, you know anything that's juiced. You would do let's say one point two five units to win one unit on like a minus one twenty five bet. So as of let's see, if you did one unit exactly on every single bet. It would be, let's see, 8.67, and then I got to do the math here, plus 1.02. You'd be up 9.69 units if you just did one unit on every play. That's a pretty good profit here at this point in the Major League Baseball season. Um, If, again, just did one unit on every single play. I kind of vary... Plus, my unit's different than your unit. That's different than somebody else's unit. I never tell anybody what to bet. I, what I do tell everybody is number one lesson in sports betting is risk assessment. It's bankroll management. Only bet what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, don't spread yourself thin. And that's the way you go about this thing. Uh, my overall record for all the plays that we have given out on the vsin.com daily best best 
best bets page for Major League Baseball, uh, 68, 44, and 1. Uh, and that's, a, that's after we started out the season. Man, I, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to think about it, but through the first three weeks maybe of the season, maybe even the entire first month before we hit May, uh, you know, we were hitting at like 77%. <laughs> and then obviously regression happens. It's just no one hits at that high of a rate. And we took a hit, went down a little bit, but still well over 60% and very happy about it. So uh, I, I love the way I'm seeing the board. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing and go through my process just like I would do. And I explained on my Twitter page a couple of days ago that it's okay to lose a bet sometimes when you are on the right side because that's called variance. Like, that's going to happen. You're not going to win 100% of the bets you make, and sometimes you're going to, you know, you'll clearly, and I've done it thousands of times, lose a bet where you are completely on the wrong side. Like, okay, if you bet the Golden State Warriors here on Wednesday night, you were on the wrong side. Like, that's it. You're on the wrong side of this game. But if you bet, you know, let's say um, an under that gets blown in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, it's a bad beat. You were on the right side. Game was going under the whole way. And then it didn't. You know, like the, like, uh, like the other night, or, you know, I guess, well, yeah, there was an underblown in the hockey game where it was scored with 19.59, which was like the empty net went in with one second left on the game. I mean, that's a bad beat. And it doesn't always have to be a bad beat. It could just be, you know, you were on the right side. Things just didn't go your way. It happens. You lose bets. We all lose bets. No one wins them all. The goal is to win more than you lose. And maximize on your higher plays. That's, that's the name of the game. Win more than you lose. And just manage your bankroll and act accordingly. So if you bet one unit on every single baseball play of the day, you're up 969 so far this season, um, which I think is pretty pretty good so far. Taking a look at the board here for Thursday, it's a thin schedule, okay? And some of this stuff, it's uh, some of these pitching numbers haven't been, um, pitching things haven't been updated, so I'll see if we can get the exact uh, things here. Some of the lines or some of the games are off the board. You'll have, I guess, the Astros and the Twins. They will complete their suspended game. That that game was suspended. Twins with a 5-1 lead after three innings. So um, that game will pick up Thursday afternoon where they left off. They'll play the last six innings before playing the final game about a half an hour after the um final out is concluded of that game. So there you go. That's where you look at here. Um, The Astros, meanwhile, they are riding an eight-game winning streak. So see if they can close this one out and make it nine straight before playing the series finale against the Twins. And that game is scheduled to go off, like I said, half an hour or so after 
the conclusion of their first game. Um, and then he have the early game. You will have the Mets taking on the Nationals, a 105 Eastern time start from D.C. It is Taiwan Walker on the mound against Yoan Adon. And if you've listened to this show long enough, the words Yoan Adon is um, should just automatically trigger your 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 ears to place a bet against him. Uh, now Taiwan Walker has his own issues. Okay, Walker in his uh, he's only faced Philadelphia, which is like so random. Um, <laughs> he's pitched three games this season, and uh, they've all been against uh, Philly. So on April 11th. First start, just goes two innings, you know, whatever. Shutout innings, he's fine. Then again, five shutout innings on April 30th. His last start on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. He gets tagged for six runs on, well, seven runs, really. Six of them earned on nine hits. He allowed two home runs in just four innings of work. The Mets actually won that game eight to seven. Um, But Philly jumped out to four runs in the bottom of the first inning against Taiwan Walker. And then he actually settled in. Uh, well, he gave up another one in the bottom of the second. But, yeah, the four-run first inning was the disaster for him. So we'll see what happens here against the Nationals, who have been hitting the ball really well as of late. But Yohan Adon is the fade. Uh, in his last start, you know, some of these numbers, like, it's frustrating because he actually – some you know some of these starts doesn't give up the runs until later on, and so I'm sitting here with like a first five bet, and the guy doesn't give up runs until you know later on. Like against the Angels, he gave up one run in the first inning, and then allowed two runs in the bottom of the fifth. And yes, they the Nationals didn't score, but that was a sweat that game. Betting on on the first five was a sweat there. Now his numbers don't look great when you put them all together. Three runs allowed in five innings, but yeah, it was almost uh, it was almost for not. Uh, the Giants uh, were capable of. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. 
Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Warring against him last time they faced him, uh, four runs in four innings, five runs in four innings before that. Now he did have his best start against Arizona, but take that for what it's worth because Arizona is the worst hitting team in Major League Baseball. The Mets, not so much. But the Mets don't have a lot of hard contact, but they find ways to score runs. And I'm going to probably back the Mets here. Uh, I might look for, honestly, maybe I don't back the Mets as a whole. And maybe I just go with a first five over. Maybe I fade both Walker and Adon. And if the Mets come up with five runs in the first five innings, well, then great. And if Walker allows, you know, three runs, then, then great. Um, I think that actually might be the safer play because what scares me is like, all right, what if a is pitches well and only gives up, let's say he gives up two runs or three runs in five innings like he did against the Angels? Yeah, on the surface, it doesn't look like, you know, it looks like that should be good enough to win, but what if Walker gives up three runs as well? And it's a 3-3 game going into the sixth inning. So maybe the, the safer way to play this as much as I love fading Adon, maybe I could fade Adon and Walker at the same time and go with a first five over in the Mets game. Let me real quick pull that up. It should be four and a half. Let's see. Mets and Nationals is eight and a half for the game at minus 122. In the first half, it is uh, four and a half at minus 110 right now. I think that's got to be the play. I like the game over as well. But, yeah, I think the Mets and Nationals' first five over is going to be the play. We'll think more about it, but I'm leaning that way. Mackenzie Kramer from uh, ESPN's Daily Wager will join me coming up next. We'll talk more NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, Stanley Cup. Pick his brain on everything that's going on in the world of sports. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Winning never looked better. Make free hoops and soccer picks for a shot at a sweet payday with the H&M Wear That Feeling Prediction Series. Enter three pools and compete for your share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash HM now to get in on the action. H&M to make everyone look and feel good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. 
Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now, Mackenzie Kramer from ESPN Stats and Information. Uh, does great research for the Daily Wager. And Mackenzie, tomorrow, the well, here on Thursday, the NFL schedule will finally be released. I know some games have kind of trickled out, and we know who's going to play some of these games. But what are you most looking forward to about seeing in the NFL schedule? Yeah, we got a, a big uh, two-hour uh, NFL schedule release show tomorrow night on ESPN Plus at 8 o'clock, so I've been doing a lot of research for it. But um, one of the things I like to look for when the schedule first comes out is what favorites I can bet on that are just underneath a key number. Like if I can get a team I really like at you know, 2.5 or 6.5 or something like that before the line moves, that's kind of what I look for when the lines first come out for week one because – if you go back to last year, a lot of these early lines that come out, uh, the opening lines, they tend to move toward the favorite. Last year, for instance, out of the 16 lines we had, uh, the opening lines, 11 of them end up moving more toward the favorite, some of them going through key numbers. So typically, if I want to bet something when the lines first come out tomorrow, I tend to look at the favorites. But I don't like to take too many favorites in week one because historically, uh, the underdogs usually cash a lot in week one. I can get into uh, that a little bit more if you like. Yeah, tell me about the underdogs in week one, please. Yeah, so um, last year, for instance, underdogs in week one went 12-4 and four against the spread, actually went 9-7 and seven outright. It was the first time underdogs had a winning record in week one since 1983. But overall, underdogs in week one are kind of what you want to go for, especially the bigger underdogs. In the last 10 years, for instance, underdogs in week one cash at 57% of the time. And if you get rid of 2020, when there wasn't really as much of a home field advantage with uh, uh, COVID and all that, it's over 59% in week one underdogs are. So if you just blind bet underdogs recently, you'd be doing uh, pretty well in week one, especially if you take some bigger underdogs, especially big home underdogs. Home underdogs, at least a touchdown, are 9-2 and two against the spread since 2001. And home underdogs of more than a touchdown are 7-0 and oh against the spread since 2001. So... Typically, if you can get a big home underdog in week one, we don't know as much about the teams early in the season. So there's a little bit more variance in week one. I think that tends to lead to more underdog cashing overall. Uh, last year, we had that happen in one game with the Lions uh, getting a lot of points at home against the Niners. They covered with that uh, in miraculous fashion with getting a couple of onside kicks late, but they still covered at the window. So in general, I like to go underdogs in week one, but if I'm betting early, uh, I tend to go favorite. Yeah, I was about to say, is that because the, you know the underdogs having success? Is it because the market maybe undervalues these teams based off of what we saw from them last year? When in reality, it's a completely different team and everyone's different and starting off with a clean slate. I think that could definitely be part of it. I think part of it just has to do with some of the, the, the these lines are up so long that, you know, like I said, they tend to move toward the favorite and you might get a lot of group think entering the season that, you know, a lot of people are really down on this team or really high on this other team. And, you know, some of the lines might get inflated in certain, certain directions. So I think that might be part of it too. But, you know, a lot of it too is like you said, you don't know a lot of these teams. Sometimes there's new quarterbacks or sometimes, you know, a one little tweak to a defense can make a team look a lot better defensively in a year. Or, you know, you might have a new coaching staff. So, you know, a lot of things can kind of change from year to year where you don't know as much or have as many certainties entering a year uh, as you will a couple weeks into the season. How much stock do you put into um, situational uh, handicapping once the schedule comes out? Because that's one of the things that I'm most excited to look into coming up here on Thursday. And that's, you know, 
the Thursday road teams, uh, what the travel situation is going to be like. Now, we already know the opponents that are on the road, but we don't know when they're going to be. So I like to look at those spots, like who's traveling from playing a Sunday night game or, or, or a Monday game and then traveling for a Sunday game. Do you look at those um, not so much to bet in advance, but you know, that, that is something I look to look at, you know, maybe in the futures market, if a team has a couple of those spots, or, you know, maybe you can find a spot earlier in the season or on a holiday where these lines might be posted way in advance. Um, and one thing that I like to look at too, is we have the international games now. And with a 17 game schedule, some of these teams have even more unbalanced schedules than they would have in the past with the international games. Like, you know, for example, this year, the, the NFC teams play nine home games, the AFC teams play eight home games. But if you look at the teams that play international, you have the Vikings, Giants, Seahawks, and 49ers. They get nine home games, but only seven true road games because they lose a, a road game to an international spot. And on the other side, the Jaguars only play seven games in Jacksonville and nine games outside of Jacksonville. So, you know, we know that stuff now, but then when we see the schedule, we might look to see, oh, this team has got three straight road games in this spot, or maybe they have some, you know, other spot, like you mentioned, you know, a Thursday to sun, uh, a Sunday to Thursday or something in a bad situation, maybe a night game to a, a day game. I tried doing some digging to see, you know, three straight road games to see if there was any uh, major trends to that. But actually, it actually wasn't uh, that uh, noteworthy in terms of how they do against the spread. It was kind of close to 500, no matter how far back you look, if you're playing three straight road games, but you know, it's still, if you're looking at a, a team for the, the macro view for an entire season, you, you still don't like to see that. And uh, you know, when you play that many road games in a row, which some of these teams might have to do. What about the distance traveled? I mean, I saw the report that came out last week that, you know, I listen to Seahawks every single year are going to be the most traveled team. Uh, but the Steelers are not, are traveling the least and they're never leaving the Eastern time zone. Does that give them a boost this season? Um, I think it could. I was kind of already in on the Steelers this year. I mean, one, and I, I didn't even realize the uh, they didn't leave the Eastern Time Zone thing until a couple of days ago. But that that only strengthens their case for me. I mean, you have you have a team with Mike Tomlin as the coach. They've never been below 500 under Mike Tomlin. And yes, Ben Roethlisberger retires, but they still return a defense that was one of the best in the NFL last year. They were number six according to our efficiency metrics. And the quarterback play can't get that much worse there. One step I looked up earlier today was if you look at all the teams since 2006 that have finished over 500, nearly 200 teams, last year's Steelers team had the worst single season total QBR out of all of those teams. So basically out of all teams with a winning record in the history of QBR, the Steelers had the worst quarterback play. And if you expand that a little bit more, if you just looked at that team's 500 or better, two of the three worst teams in that span are the 2019 Steelers and the 2021 Steelers. So Mike Tomlin has a history of winning when he doesn't have the great quarterback play. So if they get a little bit more from Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, who, you know, I'm not super high on either of those guys, but it's hard to be that much worse than what they got a quarterback last year. And if that can be a slight boost, uh, that, that would definitely help. And, you know, the fact that they don't have to leave the Eastern time zone, that certainly can't be a bad thing. There's really no way to get that many bad travel spots in that way. So, I mean, you see all the, I, I've seen some of the same reports about teams playing multiple time zones and things like that. We won't see how bad it is until the schedule comes out. You know, for example, you know, a team might go to LA, fly back to New York and then go to LA, or you play back to back games in Los Angeles. That's a big difference in terms of travel. So, but still it's, it's, it's definitely a positive for the Steelers that they don't have to travel too far this year. Yeah, and we've seen in recent seasons uh, teams, you know, fly and stay 
like they'll stay out west or they'll stay east. I mean, I guess Jim Harbaugh was like the first to do it with the 49ers where they would travel east to play, you know, two games in consecutive weeks and they would stay on the east coast um, and before they, you know, travel instead of traveling back. So we're starting to see teams do that more and more uh, as of late. And, and you know, especially with Bill Belichick, with the Patriots, when you know, travel uh, traveling and in, in, before playing in Mexico City, playing uh, uh, practicing in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. So everyone's on top of all this stuff here right now, McKenzie. Uh, real quick, let's get into the NBA playoffs. Uh, any bets that you've placed here for these Thursday games? Yeah, I've, I've made one bet so far, and it's on the uh, Suns-Mavericks game. Well, one trend that we've been showing a lot in Daily Wager for both the first-round series and for this series is teams that are up 3-2 in a series that are favored on the road. So the Suns are laying two on the road, up 3-2 in the series. Since 2015, they're 15-0 against the spread, which it's hard to find a try. You know, I, I deal with trends all the time. You don't really see 15-0 very often unless you add 1,000 qualifiers to it to make it do exactly what you want. So I, I, I tend to back this trend, and I just think the Suns are the better team, and I like the spot for them. They're 4-1 ATS and closeout games under Monty Williams. I think they'll be able to get the job done against the Mavericks tomorrow. So I'm on the Suns as a slight favorite tomorrow. don't really have a strong lean on the Sixers Heat series, uh, but I, I do like the Suns tomorrow. I like that a lot. So what about the, um, I guess, well, both home teams will have a chance to close it out on Friday. So there's no uh, 3-2 road teams that will be favored. But I'll give you a perfect trend here. The Tampa Bay Lightning, 16 straight playoff wins after a loss. And that is the situation coming up here on Thursday as they are coming off a loss to the Maple Leafs. So there's a trend for you, McKenzie. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, th- we don't have a show tomorrow, but yes. uh, if we did, I would definitely get that in for you. I appreciate the time and the conversation. As always, good luck with all your plays. Appreciate you too, Scott. Thank you. There is Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN Stats and Info. Does incredible job researching for the Daily Wager. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Prove your fighting spirit with the Playoffs Challenge presented by Modelo. Play free fantasy hoops in the eight part contest series and compete for your share of $4,000 per contest. Head to DraftKings.com slash Modelo now to get in on the action. Modelo, prove your fighting spirit. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Great information from Mackenzie Kramer talking about the uh, spot there for the Phoenix Suns coming up here on Thursday night. That it's what, 15 and 0 against the spread is the, the, the road team being favored in game number five, game number six with a 3 2 lead. That is incredible that's an incredible nugget I, I i was i felt like maybe what we've seen in the past couple of days and the fact that the home teams have, have just dominated does it kind of mess with you a little bit like going into these games now do you have to consider the home teams even more and as much as i like the phoenix suns in this spot does the home court scare me off because of how much the home teams have dominated. Now, in the first game, I think it aligns for me. 
I like the 76ers to win at home and avoid the uh, elimination and send it back to Miami for game seven. But in the second game, I like the Phoenix Suns to close it out. So, yeah, I'm going chalk, by the way. But am I? Um, does the home does the home team in Dallas scare me off of it? I thought that what we saw, and it, it's 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 crazy to even think about this because, man, was I so wrong about this Grizzlies Warriors game? But I thought that what I saw from the Suns and the Mavericks in Game Five kind of ended the series. You know, Dallas did a great job of adjusting defensively in games two and in games three and four. You know, winning those two games was something. It really was. And I thought that the Suns made the better adjustment in game five. What you saw was um, they used um I guess they they switched up. Well, not Cam Johnson. Who am I thinking of? Um, anyway, uh, defensively, the switches that they made, I thought, worked very well. And it limited a lot of what went right for Dallas in games three and four, where Luka didn't necessarily have the games that, he had in games one and two in the losses where he was scoring 45 and 35 or whatnot. He did pretty much what he's done in games three and four, which was score 26, 28 points, whatever. But in those games, they were getting contributions from other players, whether it was Dorian Finney-Smith making all the three-pointers that he made in game four or if it was, uh, you know, Dinwiddie scoring off the bench, Kleber, uh, Brunson. And I just didn't feel like those shots were there for Dallas in game number five. I thought Phoenix did a good job defending Luka. I thought they did a good job of preventing some of those open looks that we saw in games three and four. And then scoring themselves, I mean, what more can you say about that second half, right? And as good as Dallas has been defensively in this series, well, that game kind of really turned everything on its head. That game looked more like what we saw from Phoenix in games one and two before Dallas made their defensive adjustments. I don't know if Dallas has it in them to win these next two games. And personally, I don't know if they have it in them to win this game six. Phoenix does not want to get into a game seven situation. They do not want to blow a 2-0 lead for the second consecutive playoffs. Last year, it happened in the finals. And... They are running the risk if they lose this game and it goes to game seven of having it happen again here. You will get an inspired effort 
from this Phoenix Suns team. And yes, Game 7 is in Phoenix, and they're going to be heavily favored, and they should win that game if it comes there. But I don't see that happening. I think Phoenix wants to end this now on the road. And as for the Heat and the Sixers, you're going to get a different Sixers team in this game because we've seen a different Sixers team in every home game. This has been, you know, much like the other series, a, a ch- uh, not chalk in terms of the, the game favorites, but chalk in terms of the home teams. You know, they say a series doesn't begin until a home team loses, and we have yet to see that as Miami has won the three games in Miami and, well, the Sixers won the two games in Philadelphia. I think this series does go seven. I think Philadelphia gets this win. And I think Joel Embiid will be better. Sure, he's going to play a little cautiously after taking that shot to the face. And that's the one concern I have is if Embiid is hesitant at all. Because he needs to dominate this game. But what we've seen, and let's see if we, I don't even know if we have um, the referee assignments just yet. But, no, nothing just yet. I'd be very curious because the officiating in this postseason, it's been, um, hmm. Suspect is a good word. And I feel like the home teams are getting a little bit of the home cooking. And I could see the Sixers getting a little home cooking here with the calls. And getting to the free throw line a bunch. And that being the difference in this game. Jimmy Butler has been incredible for the Heat. Miami has just been, they looked incredible in game five. And I think this team has the potential to win in the next round over either Milwaukee or Boston. And I think they will win in game seven. Like, I will absolutely be betting Miami in game seven. I just think the Sixers get this job done here in game six and avoid elimination. Now, as for Friday's games coming up, just a quick, Look at the spreads. It's interesting to me to see the adjustments that are made. The Bucks are a point and a half favorite at home. And think about the last time the Bucks were home in game number four, they were a point and a half favorite. But in game three, they were a three-point favorite. So there was a point and a half adjustment from games three to four and no adjustment now from game four to game six. It's very interesting because the market is saying here that the Celtics are the better team. If we're giving three points for home court, We're saying that the Celtics are the better team here with a spread as low as a point and a half in Milwaukee. And for the Warriors and the Grizzlies, after this blowout performance, 
The Warriors are eight and a half point favorites at home in game six. Whereas in game number four at home, they were nine and a half point favorites. And that game was without John Morant as well. So now it moves a point in favor of the Memphis Grizzlies. Are you more inclined to take the Warriors now because of that? Or, or is this line telling us something? Should we be respecting the Grizzlies more? I think the Grizzlies absolutely earned respect with the way that they covered and almost won in Game 4 and the way that they dominated here in Game 5. I'm actually surprised this spread is as high as it is. I thought maybe 7.5 is what we were going to see. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll go through the rest of the small Major League Baseball card here for Thursday. Maybe pick out some NHL winners as well. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN with me, Scott Seidenberg. It's the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB Best Bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, Cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Wanted to uh, take a quick look at the NHL games here first before we get into the rest of the Major League Baseball schedule coming up on Thursday. We got uh, four games. All four games could end series, right? So you got the Hurricanes and the Bruins with the Carolina Hurricanes. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my day. That's my day, bro. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Leading 3-2. Boston is a minus 130 favorite at home. Total of six. The Maple Leafs and the Lightning... Uh, from Tampa, and um, that one is at Tampa minus 120, and uh, the Maple Leafs lead that series three games to two. Tampa, by the way, 16 straight wins as after a loss in the playoffs. So after a loss, they bounce back with a win. Every single game in this series has zigzagged. So, riding the Lightning at home to avoid elimination and riding that 16-game winning streak, probably the way to go. Wild will take on the Blues. St. Louis leads that series three games to two. They can win it at home. They are minus 115 favorites. And then the Oilers are at the Kings. L.A. leading three to two. They could end it at home. And Edmonton is minus 150 on the road. Uh, Quickly, my leans... um, I think I would go over in Boston and Carolina. We just look at every game of this series, and we had two five-to-one games. Those were both wins by Carolina in games one and game number five, both five-to-one wins, and then the rest have all gone over. We had five-to-two, well, pretty much, those games have gone over, except for even the five to one game went over because I think there was a five and a half line. The uh, six was the push that we just had here on the uh, spread in the last game, but it was five one five two four two five two five one. The winning team has scored at least four goals, five goals in four games, four goals in one game in every game this series. So I like the over six. Um, I think we can get. Four goals once again. We've seen the overs happen in the NHL playoffs so far. Um, And, yeah, I think Boston can win this one at home. But rather than pick a side, I think I'd rather just go with the over six. Uh, I would lay the minus 120 on the Lightning, ride that streak of the 16 straight wins after a loss. Tampa only minus 120 at home to the Maple Leafs. I would take that. Wild and Blues. I, St. Louis at home is strong. Um, I think Minnesota has it in them to force a game seven, though. This one is going to be fun to watch, and I actually don't hate the under. It's at six and a half, and I know that it doesn't make It's not conducive because look at the scores in this series. Four nothing, that was an under, but then it was six two five one five two five two. 
I just think that this one could be played. This could I think this one can go to overtime. This could be a four three. Well, even four three goes over, but um I would take, yeah, I, maybe six and a half. Maybe it is going over, but I think this one's gonna be tightly contested. I don't have a lean on either side here. Maybe play an in-game total if it's like only a one-nothing first period. Take a look at that. But I would lean uh towards the under here and this being maybe a 3-2 overtime type game. Oilers and Kings. I think you got to take the plus money chance with the Kings, right? I mean, if you bet the Kings in every game this series, you're you're up a nice little penny. Right? In game 1 the Kings win, the Oilers were minus 200. Then the Oilers win the next two games. So right then and there, you're already, you know, you're almost even because they were they were a little less than plus 200. So you're you're down just a little bit, but then the Oilers were minus 175, so you got to figure the comeback was around, I don't know, let's say minus, uh, what are we calling it here, 125 or so. And then the Oilers were minus 230, and the Kings won again at close to, I guess, plus 190 or so. <laughs> the Oilers will be without Darnell Nurse after he gets a suspension. I just think taking a shot here with the Kings, a little plus money chance, I could get behind that. And that would be right now plus 118 at home. I can get behind that. Let's take a look at the rest of the Major League Baseball games coming up here for uh, Thursday. Already talked about the first game of the day, not the continuation between the Astros Twins, but the Mets and the Nationals. And I'm pretty sure the play is going to be the over in the first five, fading not just Joanna Don, but also Taiwan Walker, who um, has only faced the Phillies this year, but um, certainly can get hit by a Nationals team that is hitting the ball uh, pretty decently lately. Total The total in this game is eight. That's actually nine, so it moved up. I saw it at eight and a half, and uh, it went to nine. So I think we could get, I don't want to get five in the first five, but if it's four and a half in the first five, uh, I'll probably go over with the Mets and the Nationals. The A's face the Tigers. Brieski against James Caprillion. Um, seeing here, Tigers minus 118 would kind of lean the under, right? These teams have just been, I mean, this this was the exception. The 9 nothing win by the A's. But it's the first time in the last, uh, I mean, Let's call it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One time in the last eight games where the A's scored more than three runs. I mean, this offense is non-existent. Nine run outburst here. Well, I guess they scored four in yesterday's uh, game. But it was zero, two, three, zero, one, zero. And even before the seven, it was one, three, one. So there's been some low scoring outputs here for the uh, Oakland Athletics. The second game of the Astros and Twins will be Winder against Garcia. And the Astros are a minus 136. They are riding a winning streak right now. We'll see if they continue that, uh, if they can win the game that they're winning right now that is suspended. The Reds will look to stay hot. 
on the road against the Pirates. It is Overton against JT Brubaker, and the Pirates are minus 142 at home. Uh, I think I like the Pirates in this game. Brubaker much better at home than he has been on the road. Much, much better uh, at home than he has been on the road. Yankees against the White Sox. Dylan Cease goes against Luis Heel. And Heel was a really nice starter for the Yankees in spot situations last year. I like the Yankees at plus money. This is the best team in Major League Baseball right now. And anytime you're giving me a plus money situation on them, I got to take it. Yes, Dylan Cease has been fantastic this season. This is a spot where I'm just asking Lewis Heel to keep it close. And then hopefully, once Dylan Cease gets knocked out of the game, the Yankees' bullpen is much better than the White Sox bullpen. So I kind of like the Yankees getting uh, plus money here, plus 122. And then Phillies against the Dodgers. The Dodgers are an interesting spot. It was pointed out to me. One of my Twitter followers uh, uh, sent me a tweet, um, SMG, talking about the Dodgers' travel situation. And he's right. Dodgers go from Pittsburgh back to L.A. You know, the Phillies come down from Seattle, so already on the West Coast. And I think with Zach Wheeler on the hill, Maybe it's a plus money grab here with the Phillies at plus 132 against the Dodgers. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Nigel Seeley, soccer handicapper at 7.45 a.m. Eastern time at 9 a.m. Tom Verducci, longtime baseball analyst, MLB Network, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated. And then Mike Palm, our very own here, host of Odds On at Beeson and the vice president of Circa will join the program. It's coming up this morning on Follow the Money. You can follow me at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 